grab whatever copy of God's word you have. So if that's something you turn, something you click, but whatever it is, get a copy of God's word uh, and go with me to Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three. Obviously, we're gonna put all the, all the verses up on the screens to help everybody out. But you at home, if you're at home, grab your copy of God's word right now and then put it in the chat. Say, I got mine. I got mine. So whether it's your Bible or whether it's your phone, I got mine. Now, if you are using a phone, I want you to know, that God will cause your car to break down if you get on Instagram when you're supposed to be on the Bible, okay? That's fresh off the press this morning. He told me that. He's like, Marty, you got to tell them. If they, if they get out their Bible on their phone and then they hit Instagram, they get a flat tire, okay? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyways, grab your copy of God's Word. Put it in the chat. I got my copy of God's Word. Uh, go to Genesis chapter 3. And right now, if you're online, this is a great... We want you to comment, like, and share. So you join in the stream like it's your church. So you say amen. You join in the chat there. We have team, member, team, team members there to serve you, to make sure you get all the right information. Uh, but make that your church in, in, in the chat, okay? So when I say, put I got it in the chat, put I got it in the chat, let that be your church. And also share this feed wherever you're watching it, share it because we want other people to see it. People need hope. People need life. They need encouragement. And so share it. Help us out that way. Amen. All right. So Genesis chapter three, we started a series last week. Do you remember the name of the series? It was called Without Fail. Well, that's pretty good. I mean, for a second week, about half of you kind of thought you might sort of could have known what it was. Um, Without Fail. And we're really talking about building our life on the word of God on the Word of God. If you missed last week, I know last week's message was really, really long, but it had really, really good information. Information you should know as a believer in the day and age where everyone is attacking the Word of God. You, you should know that history, the historicity of the Bible, history confirms the Bible. You know, it, you, you need to know what we talked about. This week we're going to talk about some more stuff, but Genesis chapter Three, if you go there, this is obviously Adam and Eve, and this is where the, the, the serpent shows up. This is actually, you know, the fall of man, as we call it, the fall from the grace of God. This is where, and, and, and this is where man, um, this is where man messes up, right? And this is where everything goes south in creation. Everything goes bad. Uh, so Genesis chapter three, it says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, <laughs> my Bible has sound effects, y'all. The serp, 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 never mind. Anyways, he said, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, you may, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Verse four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, it was good for food. It was pleasing to the eye. It was desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some of it and ate it. She also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Wow. Pretty crazy. Um, I call this message word wars. 
word wars. Um, let's pray. Holy Spirit, come now in power, reveal, speak, illuminate, transform our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Word wars. It's kind of create, it's, it's kind of amazing. Here is the apex of God's perfect creation. The apex of it. And so you, you have the plan of God, which is this was God's, this is God's big plan. The Bible tells the story. Uh, we don't have time to get into it, but essentially God wants to bring the authority and the reign of a spiritual kingdom over a physical planet. So he creates a physical planet to reign with man who is a physical being, but man would essentially distribute or expand his spiritual reign over a physical realm. And the enemy is not happy. Satan is not happy with any of this. So this is an attack on the kingdom of God. Okay, that's what the attack is on. The territory then of the war becomes the planet and the weapon becomes words. And I would submit to you that that is his primary modus operandi in attacking your life are words. And, 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 and it's in twofold. He wants you to question or disregard the word of God. And he wants you to heed his words. And that's what we see in this text. And so it's, you're in a word war, whether you know, whether you know it or not, you're in a war. I didn't know I thought I was a Christian. Yes, sir. You're a Christian. Welcome to the war. Because you have a Satan, a devil, and, and all of his demons who hate you and want to destroy you. Right? And then you signed up to be a part of this movement to bring a spiritual kingdom to a physical planet. Oh, I thought I was just praying a prayer and wait till I die. That's what the enemy, the enemy has been so good at preaching the gospel of lethargy. Because if he, can't, if he can't make you serve him, he'll just make you completely impotent and ineffective. So he will remove with you, the, he'll remove from you the power of the word, the power of the Holy Spirit, and convince you your life is just to exist along until you die. And then you go become a fat baby with feathery wings on a cloud with a harp someday in heaven. None of that's actually Bible, but people have bought into it. I can't really get off on that, but you need to understand... <laughs> that you're in a war and one of his primary agendas, one of his primary weapons that is really effective because it's still working today. His war is words. You're in a word war. You're in a word war. And so I, I have two points today. I'm going to dive into these. And uh, no, it never makes the message shorter, although every time that is my heart. Just so you know, when I write these, I think I'm going to be done in 35 minutes. Amen. That's what I think. And the, June, the amen kind of hurt my feelings there. But... <laughs> but <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, I love you, but <laughs> it's okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, thank you. I'll probably live. Um, anyways, never mind. Got to dive in. So write this down. The first thing, how you stand is determined by who you hear, how you stand. You're in a word war and how you stand is determined by who you hear. Um, when we look at Genesis three, verse five, look, look, is like, he says, did, did God really say, so that's going to be the primary attack is that if you don't know what God says, you don't have anything to stand on. Listen, from a pastor who's seen people fall in so many ways, I can tell you it is always easier to fall when you don't have anything to stand on. And if you don't know what God said, you don't have anything to stand on. 
God's word is power. God's word is authority. Your words are subjective unless they're his words. You have to know his words to have something to, to stand on. And so did God really say, but then look at this, look at this. I would call it a flood. Watch this. You will not die for God knows that if you eat your eyes will be open, you're going to be like God. You're going to know good and evil. It's like all of a sudden there is this word war and it is a flood of words with a flood of thoughts, with a flood of emotions. And I think that's what the enemy does. The enemy floods us with words. In fact, I can show you this from Scripture. Revelation 12, verse 9 says, now I'll give you, you, you understand the Bible is a spiritual book written by a spiritual God to spiritual beings. That you are spiritual beings, you are having a temporary physical experience, but you are eternal spiritual beings. And so that's why people say, well, the word of God doesn't make sense. Well, Paul said, a carnal, man, a carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. You, you don't dissect the Bible and understand it. It has to be revealed by the author. You need the Holy Spirit if you're going to read the Bible. Because it was he, he, he was the inspiration of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and so, but, but this is what, the Bible is full of these symbols. And I'll just, for instance, we are the sheep of his pastor. So you're what sheep, right? That's a symbol. You're not really sheep. None of you are going to be sheared later today. Right? The Bible would call me, I'd say, a shepherd. Right? So there, there are tons of images in the Bible of, of people. I just want to give you a couple here. This one will be real clear. Revelation 12, 9. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil. Now, it makes it very clear, doesn't it, who we're talking about here, right? So this dragon and this serpent is the devil. And then just to clarify, or Satan who leads the world astray. How does he do it? Words. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. Now we have demons. All right. For everyone that says, I don't believe in the devil and, and I don't believe in demons. You haven't read the Bible. Maybe just a crazy idea here. I know this sounds really sarcastic. I'm not trying to be ugly. So let me calm down. I've been accused of being mean and sarcastic lovingly, humbly, let me submit to you. Since the Bible says that there's a Satan, there are demons, and there's a hell, maybe we should believe what the Bible says instead of what's convenient for our own set of doctrine or beliefs. Just a thought. Anyways, um, so the, Satan, the dragon, the serpent, all the same one. Jump to verse 15 of Revelation 12, 15. Remember, he's, remember, he's going to lead the world astray. Look at, look at Revelation 12, 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. Women in the Bible are typically a picture of the church. Remember the 10 virgins who had lamps, right? It's all picture of the church, right? Okay. So, so he spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. This is exactly what he did in Genesis 3. Here's the church. Here's the woman. And he floods her with words and sweeps her away. Like you still, still, I could give you a lot of scriptures. I took a lot of them out. But Psalm 93.3 says, The floods have lifted up, O Lord, Look at this. The floods have lifted up their voices. Yeah. 
their voices. The floods lift up their waves. Boy, I like verse four though. The Lord on high is mightier than any noise of many waters, than the many waves of the sea. Do, do you think right here, do you think David was being swept away in a flood? And he's like, oh God, you gotta save me because it's flooding and, and, the, and, 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 my, and my palace is washing away. No, 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 he's talking about the flood of words, the flood of voices. Are you with me? Are you tracking? And so you need to understand that the enemy, the enemy wants to flood you. Now, I, I want to pause right here in, in a way. This very much goes in this point. But I want to explain right now in our culture, one of the greatest ways the enemy is flooding, especially the generations that come after me, my generation and those that come after me. So the millennials, the Zers, I, this is how the enemy is flooding them. Because see, back in my day, well, even before my day, like with the boomers, like my parents, back in, back in that generation, when you were growing up, you went to church because we were in the Bible Belt, so everyone had, had, went to church. And what was commonly believed and accepted by church people that you grew up in was the Bible was the Word of God, and it's all true, or none of it's true, but yet it's all true, and we believe the Bible because it's the Word of God. Which, which I, listen, let me say this, because I'm about to say something and somebody's going to turn me off and put in the chat, I'm a demon and something else, but please hear me. I, I believe the Bible is the word of God, but you have to understand what has happened since then. Because after, especially after 9-11 and with the birth of the internet and all these things, they used to, used to, they would hand you that Bible and they say, this is the word of God and it's all true. And you said, it's the Bible and it's all true. And what you didn't realize is the person that just told you it was all true really hadn't even read it. They just believed it was all true because the person that handed it to them said it was all true and was just commonly accepted that it's the word of God. And here's, here's why it stuck with me and here's why it stuck with them. Because after you've met the author, the Bible makes sense. You understand? So once you meet the author and someone has you the Bible and says, this is the words of the guy you just met, you're like, oh yeah, I know him. I know him. Yeah, the words, book, yeah. But what has happened, what has happened with the generations, my generation and below is with the invention of the internet, no longer do people read the Bible to figure out what it says. They Google and they go to YouTube and they click. And the problem is you got Dragon Slayer 897 out there who is just not read the Bible, he's dissected parts of it and recontextualized it to make the point he wants to make. And, and people now are approaching people who do not have the spirit that penned the word of God. Now, now listen to me now, they're, they're based on their subjective reasoning and based on their own personal agendas and feelings are trying to make the Bible say what they want to say. In fact, number one thing, and I said it, I'll probably say it every week, the number one problem with people interpreting the Bible is most people try to interpret the Bible by starting with them. I want to talk about, how, I want to start with how I feel, what I want, what looks good to me. Do you understand what, where, where Eve went wrong? It was good for food. It was supposed to make one wise. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All three are seen right there. And when we start looking at the Bible with what I want, what my flesh wants, so I'm going to find a way to justify what my flesh wants. I'm going to find a way to support my own wisdom and reasoning. When we start trying to interpret the Bible based on what we want it to say, we will end up in heresy and error every time. Because, listen, creation didn't start with you. God didn't start with you. And the Bible does not start with you. 
You have to start with God to understand creation, and you have to start with God to understand his word. But yet we have, right, we have Spirit Sister 893 out there, and she wants to, uh, she wants to explain why this doesn't mean this. And I'll tell you what has happened, and please don't, don't leave early, just hear me out. They, the enemy, has exposed a weakness in the foundational way that Christians and even the world think. And that is what we were taught growing up, don't leave it early, is that the Bible is the foundation of the Christian faith. And that is the fundamental thought that believers typically cling to, and it goes back to the Reformation, sola scriptura, and I love all the sola fide, sola gratia, solus Christus, right? Sola dea la gloria. I, I love the sola statement. I love the Reformation. Not going against the Reformation. Please hear me. But this fundamental concept that the Bible is the foundation of the Christian faith, then for atheists, agnostics, and those that want to war against the Bible, Satan, they realize then it's now a, a house of 66 cards. And really more than that, because if I can bring a question to any part of God's word, then now none of it applies. See, it's either all true or none of it's true. Because you, you can't, it, it loses, anything would lose authority when you start picking and choosing what part's true and what's not. Because how do you know what part's true and how do you know what part's not? So that's why we said last week, all of it's true. If it's true, all of it's true. You can't have part of it true and part of it false. Now listen to me on this. So, so this whole thing is, this whole belief that as the Bible goes, so goes Christianity now, you know, now Word Wonder 83 is taking, and they're taking parts of the Bible and raising questions. They can't really disprove it. But they find things that look like contradictions. Like, for instance, when the Bible says in Chronicles that Satan moved David to take a census, and in Kings it said God moved David to take a census. Well, was it God or was it Satan or the same thing? Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, you understand that God was testing David to promote him, and so God allowed the enemy to tempt him, to test him, because you understand that's congruent with all of Scripture. But if you don't have, if you don't know how to look at the Bible in totality, and you look at it in parts, and so, so, so this is what happens is they take science and they say, I've never met a snake that talked. And so if I can, if I can bring the question that maybe Genesis isn't accurate, if I can disprove a flood, which they can't, but if I can, if nothing else, bring the question of, well, in the Bible, you got talking donkeys, talking serpents, and a man lived in the belly of a well for three days, which is scientifically impossible. Then, then what they say is, well, see, if you can't explain those things, then none of this is valid. What I need you to understand is that the Bible, and this is the flood. Are you with me? That's the flood. It's out there. It's all over YouTube. And what I need you to understand is that the Bible is not actually the foundation of the New Testament church. The resurrection is. Yes. Yes. Jesus is the cornerstone. Yes. The resurrection of Christ is the foundation. It is what gives credence and validity and authority to the message in the words of the Bible. It's what verifies it, proves it, 
right? And so you need to understand that, that it is actually, because if you don't, if you don't understand that, because I mean, there are atheists, they've written a book and they're like, come on, Christians, y'all know how this works. If I can bring question to any part of the Bible, then you believed a fairy tale and they will work to discredit the Bible and to bring questions. And when you're out there like, well, it's true, a man couldn't, couldn't live in, in the belly of a well for, for three days. Yeah. And neither could a virgin have a child or a man could walk on water and an ax head can't float. I, you know what? I'm saying. So, so the truth of the matter is when you understand that, that the Bible is not the foundation, that the resurrection is the foundation. And because a man predicted his own death and his own burial and his own resurrection and was put into a tomb and three days later arose and history confirms the empty tomb. Then you realize because that man is who he said he is, this book is what he said it was. And so you need to understand that when you study history, the writings of Tacitus, who was a Roman historian, the the Babylonian Talmud, which was rabbinical teachings, um, which... most rabbis did not believe Jesus was the Christ, but yet they still historically point to this empty tomb and you understand how crazy this empty tomb is. And if you studied it and you realize, I mean, there's just so much evidence and I don't have time for it, but, but even like Josephus, a Jewish historian, right? Not, not a believer in Jesus, but these are his words about this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man for he wrought surprising feats. He was the Christ. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day, he appeared, restored to life, and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. That's the writings of Josephus. And there's so many other. You got you to understand that Jesus was seen by over 500 people after he was crucified and put in a tomb. And he was actually in a body that they could touch and feel. It wasn't a He wasn't a ghost. It wasn't some spiritual thing. And so you need to understand, please hear me, that the reason we believe all the Bible is true, even the parts we don't understand and can't explain, is because history tells us a man who claimed to be the Christ predicted how he would die, predicted his burial and predicted his resurrection and then pulled it all off. And I would submit the reason I believe the word of God is because the tomb is empty and over 2,000 years later, no one has been able to explain it except those who believe in Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so the enemy floods us and he will attack the word of God. And I was thinking about this floods and I was thinking about what floods do. And I thought, you know what floods do? Floods erode. And isn't this what the enemy loves to do with believers? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. Well, if faith comes by hearing the word of God, what comes by hearing the word of the devil? Right? So if faith is built up by hearing the word of God, then if I start listening to the flood, like Eve, I might start thinking maybe God's holding back. Maybe God's not as good as as what I thought. Um, Maybe God doesn't really care about me. Because 
Because the words of the enemy are targeted to, to erode our faith. And you know, you know what he, he loves to talk about? Current events. He loves to talk about the current event, not politics. Dear God, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Although I'm sure he would love to talk about. Never mind, I can't say what I just thought. <laughs> Y'all should be so proud of me. I'm just saying this is growth because I actually thought, no, I'm not going to say that. Mm -hmm. And no, I want you to just have to go to heaven wondering what it was. Um, <laughs> but he, he will, he will, he works and he loves to talk about what's going on in your life. And he loves for you to walk by sight and not by faith. So he'll talk about what you see or he'll talk about what you haven't seen that you've been looking for. And it's all aimed at eroding your faith. You know what else the, the enemy loves to do? Uh, when he floods us, floods erodes, erode, you know what else they do? They sweep away. They carry things. You ever watch the flood on TV and all of a sudden it just carries a house away? Yeah. Like, holy cow, that house has been there a hundred years. It just swept it away. Yeah. And isn't it true? One of the ways we get caught up in the flood and get swept away is when we hear the right words, we have the wrong emotions. Maybe I should say when we hear the wrong words, we have the wrong. In other words, when we hear the words of the enemy, isn't it amazing how emotional we get? Oh, come on, come on. Could you imagine Eve? Like, like she was 100% all in with God. She was perfect. She didn't, have, she didn't have some of the frailties and things that we have now because this was before flesh had fallen. But can you imagine those emotions? Like, wait a second, God's holding something back from me? Wait a second, I don't have everything? What, does he not love me? Does he not care about me? Does he not, does he not want what's best for me? Does he not see me struggling? Does he not see me lonely? Does he not see me hurting? Does he not see the pain that I'm in? Does he not care about those things? Or, or, or the flood that will make us angry? I can't believe And we get swept away. How many have ever gotten so emotional you did something stupid? <laughs> Man, that's one of the best surveys we've ever taken at the church right there. We have more participation. You at home, put a raised hand up in, in the chat. Drop that in the chat. If you ever got swept away by the emotion and did something so dumb that you spent 10 years cleaning it up. And, and, and then I thought about this. I thought about, too, being erosion. And then I thought about being carried away. And I thought about, um, I thought about it's not just how the enemy carries his ways just to tell us lies. But the enemy will actually create half-truths that we call doctrines. Like you never thought the enemy would preach the Bible to you. But remember, he used the word of God against Jesus. And so what he does is he takes the word of God out of context and he will actually create false ways of teaching and false beliefs. Oh, you want to see in the Bible? Check this out. Ephesians 4.14. Then you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by way. By the way, this is an argument for being a part of a local church, Ephesians 4. Because if you're not a part of a local church, then this could happen to you. Then you will not be infants. You'll be tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching. Look, look at this word. By the cunning craftiness. Do you remember Genesis 3? The Satan, was, Satan the serpent was more crafty 
by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. In other words, these were people that are creating false beliefs and erroneous doctrines, such as things like we have the people nowadays that subscribe to this belief. There's no literal hell. Jesus talked about it. The Bible's real clear about it, right? The revelation speaks about it. But yet there are people that are like, there is no literal hell. And they, they believed that doctrine, which is just cunning craftiness of the enemy. What about, what about the doctrine that there are no demons? That's another one. What about the doctrine that there's not an actual heaven? What are we even doing? Some, some doctrines, Jesus isn't the only way to God. There are many ways to God. And then people that take the, the, the concept, the truth, the foundation, if you will, of grace, and they turn it into a license to do whatever you want to do. Well, we're covered by grace, so you just live however you want to live. See, the truth is grace isn't a doctrine, it's a person. And when you've met him, you don't want to live however you want to live. You want to live how he wants you to live. And one thing I need to explain to you is while, listen to you, while grace may cover condemnation, meaning that if you're a believer in Christ, you cannot be condemned for your mistakes because Christ was condemned for you. While grace may cover condemnation, it doesn't cover consequences. And you need to understand, if you want to use grace as a license, God doesn't stop the consequences, even if he covers the condemnation. And, and so the truth is, these, these, this flood comes and it erodes our faith and it carries us away. And then ultimately, what is, what is the thing the enemy is trying to do? He's trying to destroy you, right? That's what Jesus said in John 10. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And have you ever seen floods just destroy things? Yeah. That's what, that's what he is trying to do. He's trying to destroy your life with this flood. And you need to understand that for the answer for the flood is the word of God. Isaiah 59. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. The only thing that can stand against, read it in Mark 7, the words of Jesus. When the winds came and the floods came, the house stood because it was built on the rock. The only thing that will, that will sustain your life without fail and hold you up when there's a flood of the enemy is the word of God. He is coming to flood. And by the way, can I just go a little bit step farther with the flood? Did you know sometimes you flood yourself? Do you know that? Look at this, Proverbs 18, 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The words of a man. Did you know you flood yourself? Sometimes you need to think about what you're telling yourself. Because can I be honest? Sometimes the enemy starts the rain and then you flood yourself with it. He makes a suggestion, he issues, he issues, or releases a few words, and then you run away with, oh, that's right, that's right, I'm never going to get him to fail, I'm going to be sick, I'm going to die, and you flood yourself. I would say one of the things, listen, you need to understand it, and we said this, but, but how you stand is determined by who you hear. You need to understand that, that the enemy speaks, and that you speak, and that God speaks, and how you stand is going to be determined by who you choose to listen to, and I would submit to you that sometimes you don't need to listen to you. 
There are times I get the word of God because I don't need to listen to me. If I listen to me, I will drown myself. Because the flood has come and I'm emotional and I'm tired or I'm irritated and I'm angry. And sometimes before you post, you need to pick up the word of God because that flood's coming out of his banks and you're going to flood somebody else. How you stand determines is determined by who you listen to. Here's the second thing. Second thing real quick. Second thing. Victory isn't in how much you hear, but how much you hide. Oh, this is so good, y'all. You'll be so glad you came. You'll be so glad you tuned in. Come on, put that in the chat. It's not about how much you hear. It's about how much you hide. As a pastor who was raised in church, I can tell you that winning in this world, in this flood of words, and winning the word wars is not so much about how much you hear, but how much you hide. Um, you need to understand that the enemy wants to flood us, but God wants to fill us. Yes. And a lot of times when you look at the imagery of the Bible, you see that you can be filled by it. Right? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Right? I can be filled with bread, the bread of heaven, right? Um, Ephesians 5 says that we are washed in the water that is the word, right? So when you put the concept that his word can be water, and then you look at uh, John 4, where it says this spring can, can dwell up on the inside of us. Now you're saying, well, I could be filled with the water of the word. I could be filled with the bread of heaven, but then even we talked about this one last week, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, for all scripture is given by prof all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profit for doctrine, reproach, correction, uh, I'm sorry, doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All that, that word is a combination word. It means theos and breath or theos and spirit, theos and in other words saying all scripture is breathed by God, right? Can I show you something? Oh, this is so good. I have never seen this before, but track with me, all right? So, so we just said I can be filled with the bread of heaven, right? Man doesn't live by bread alone. I can be filled with the water of heaven, washed, right? The, the, the word of God is like washing, be washed with the word of God, all right? And then we just said God's word is breath. I want to show you something about Jesus before he goes into temptation with the enemy. Luke chapter four. Remember, we said the word of God was spirit, pneuma, right? That's what it said. So the, the word, all, 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 every word of God is given by breath, the breath of God, breath of God. So we're talking about what we're filled with. Watch what Jesus did, Luke chapter four. Then Jesus being what? Filled with the pneuma, same word, same Greek word, being filled with the pneuma, returned from the Jordan, was led by the spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days of the enemy. How? Did he overcome the enemy? It was a word war. Remember, remember, remember? If you're really the son of God, turn this rock into bread. Man doesn't live by bread alone. If you're really the son of God, take yourself up and throw yourself off this temple. And his angel, he'll give his angels charge over you. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. I would submit the reason Jesus won the word wars is because when you're in war, what you're filled with comes out. <laughs> 
And since you're in a war, listen, can I just, this sermon is better than you think. It's like, I, like awesome. right now, even I'm shocked, okay? And uh, I wish I could take credit for it. I do. I wish I could. But right now, I'm like, God, this is some best preaching you've ever done right here. I, anyways, but when you're in a war, that's why when some of you get cut off and you use words that you can't find in the Bible, bless it. Bless it. What I'm saying is in a, war, in, a, in a war, right? What you're filled with comes out. And Jesus stopped. He won the war of words because he was filled with the word of God. And when the war happened, the word came out. This is so good. Listen to me. He used the word of God to win. You cannot use what you do not have. Because when you get the email, I never forget that. I mean, this week is just to be honest, it's a horrible week for me. I, you know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those. It's a horrible week. And, and I remember I had this huge thing. It was, it was, it was horrible that I had to deal with. And God prevailed. It was incredible. I was like, praise the Lord. The next Day the next morning, I get a text of another thing, just as big and ugly. And I and I remember when that text hit. My first thought was, "Well, I guess the devil didn't give up, did he?" And and the thing that came out of me was, "Greater is he that is in me than he's in the world." And I finished my workout and enjoyed it. And I hadn't really thought about it since. I'm like, God, we'll deal with it. Praise the Lord. You're going to win. You've won every time. This is how I fight my battles, Jesus. And I just want you to know that, that think about what you're filled with. Now, I want to go a step farther. Can, you have time for this? Can go a little step farther? All right. A step farther. I had, I had a concern in studying. And then I had a, a, an epiphany, if you will, like a revelation. Because we're talking about what we're filled with. David said this, David said this, remember, it's not about just what you hear, it's about what you hide. David said this, Psalm 119, 11, thy word, O God, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. And before you get all legalistic on the word sin, sin just means to miss the mark. So let me give you a broader application. When I hide God's word in my heart, I'll, my family will hit the mark. It won't miss the mark. My business will hit the mark. It won't miss the mark. That success in all of these arenas is determined by what is hidden down inside of me. Oh, this is better than you think. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's not just heaven or hell or I messed up or didn't. Yes, that is an application. But sin in general is missing the mark of God for your life, the standard of God for your life. So God has a plan and a purpose for you. And the word of God is key to you fulfilling the plan and purpose of God for you, your business, your vocation, your family, whatever it is, financial, health, all of that. And so he's saying, look, he's given us a secret for winning the war of words, which is to hide God's word in our heart. Now, how do I know that's a secret? Because that's where the enemy attacks. Watch this. Mark 4. Never noticed it. The sower sows the word. Very clear on what that is. Sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear Satan 
comes next week, next month, a year from now. No, immediately. Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown. Where at? In their heart. Where they were trying to hide it. I was like, oh my God, he can get into the heart and get the word out of your heart. Do you understand? Satan is not after the word in your head. He is after the word in your heart. He is not concerned about the word in your head. Have you ever known people that can quote the word but live none of it? Let me help you with this. Even Satan knows the word of God. He quoted it to Jesus. But it's not in his heart. It's just in his head. And Satan is not, the battle is not about what word you put in your head. It is about the words you have hidden in your heart. And that is where the strategy of the enemy comes in. He's looking for the word you're hiding in your heart. Because the word you hide in your heart, that's transformation. That's change. See, every day you need to be trying to get the word of God, not in your head, in your heart. You say, well, how do I, how do I get it in, in my heart? Look, let me give you three ways really quickly how you get it in your heart. Number one, you can meditate on it. Yes. Meditate on it. It's Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Look at, will not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You should be careful to observe and do all according to written in it. For then will it make your way prosperous and give you good success. Do you understand the word meditate actually is hagah in the in the Hebrew, it actually means to mutter. That's why he says, book of law shall not depart your mouth. What do you mutter it? Do you know, there's times I just drive down the road, I just start seeing how many scriptures I can quote. Or if something's going on, I know which scriptures to quote. Some of you are like, well, I'd feel dumb just saying the word of God out loud. You don't feel dumb complaining out loud. You don't feel dumb gossiping out loud. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? And so we're trying to work it in our heart. Meditating is one of the ways we do it. We keep bringing it up, bring it up, push it back down, bring it up, push it back down. Like a, if, you ever, if you're a farmer and you've seen a, chow, a cow chew its cud, as they say, has several stomachs and it will actually take it down, bring it back up, chew it some more and push it back down, chew it some more. It's not the prettiest picture, but meditate on God's word. And we mutter it over and over and over. We mutter it. I can do all things through Christ who strengths me. I'm a new creation in Christ. And we're putting it in our hearts. Put it in our hearts. Meditate on Second thing is trust in it. The devil is not concerned about the word of God you refuse to trust. Oh, come on. Come on. He's not worried about the word of God you're not trusting in. Because it's not doing you any good. In fact, in Hebrews 4, it says this gospel, this writer of Hebrews is like, we preach the same gospel to them as you, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. They didn't trust in it. So, so how do I get it in my heart? I got to choose to trust. I got to take it by faith and trust in it. I trust he'll give me strength. I trust he'll direct my steps. I trust he'll supply all of my need. I trust that he will give me health. I trust. I was thinking the other day, just in, in, you know, every day we're going to, taking the kids to school, my two youngest, taking the school, we pray. Uh, one of the things we do, get in the truck and we pray. I would love to have devotion time with them, but they're teenagers. So if you could imagine the concept of guys, before we go to school, we're gonna sit down and have devotion. Then you understand why we do it in the truck. 
and because they're teenagers and one of them waits to the last minute. And, and so we get in the tr- and, and we pray. And one of the things I, I pray every day, Psalm 91, no evil will befall them and no plague will come near our dwelling. In a COVID world, that makes sense to pray, right? And we pray it every day. Why? Because I want that in their heart. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. I want, I want, it in, I want to trust in that word today. And then the last thing you could do is you could do it. Meditate on it. Trust it. Do it. If you want the word in your heart, act on it. Because once you start acting on it, it takes root in your heart. I want you to understand. Listen to me. I want you to understand that there is a word war going on today. That the enemy is trying to erode your faith, sweep you away. He's trying to destroy your life. And he's doing it like he did in Genesis 3 with words. And you need to decide, who am I going to listen to? And how much am I going to hide in here? Because who I listen to determines how I stand. And victory is more about how much I hide than how much I hear. Are you with me? God wants you to win. Yeah, come on, give him praise. Yeah. Will you stand? God, we thank you so much for your word today. God, that you have promised that you said you would cause us to triumph in Jesus. That no weapon formed against us would prosper. That you always lead us in victory. God, those are your words about us. And God, we win because we have the word of God. So Lord, today, help us to hide it. Help us to hide it. We're just waiting in this moment in the presence of God. Would you, would you ask the Holy Spirit while he's speaking to you? Just be so bold to say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? And let him speak a word to you. Even on, online, don't, don't turn off the stream. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you where you're at. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Maybe he's given you a strategy to win. Maybe he's speaking his word over your life. Let him speak. And while our heads are bowed and we're just listening, maybe there's someone in this room or maybe there's someone watching online that you need, we used to say, to accept Christ. But you need to put your faith totally in Jesus, not in yourself, not in something else. You, need, you want to live for him. You want a relationship with him. God's not a religion, never has been. Jesus isn't a religion. Jesus came that he would give you life because without him, we're dead. And he came so we could know God to have a relationship with him. And so if, if that's you, if you're in this room or you're online, I'm gonna ask you to do something. You're like, I need a relationship with God. How do I know? Well, I feel something inside of me telling me. It's like the Holy Spirit is drawing me or something's nudging me saying, hey, that's you. You really need a relationship with God. You need your own relationship with God. It's not enough for your wife to have a relationship with God. It's not enough for your your parents to have a relationship with God. It's not enough for your friend to have a relationship with God. You need your own relationship with God. And there's something inside of you saying, I need that, I need that, I need that. I just want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you, but whether you're online or in this room, if you need a relationship with God, I want you right now just to lift your hand up to God, not to me, but to God. Say, God, here I am. Even if you're in your living room, lift it up. Say, God, this is me. This is where I am. This is what I need. 
And if you're lifting that hand, you make this confession of faith in your own words. Just, God, I believe in you, and I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe he died and he rose again. And so, God, I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me new, to put me on a path of purpose, the one you created me for, to help me to live for you. And God, I pray as they pray their prayer, they, they make that declaration, God, I pray they would sense your presence. You would know them. You would feel them. They would know you. You would transform them. God, they would be made alive. And God, that you would help them to follow you. God, for all of us in here, we want to follow you. More than that, we want to win when it comes to word wars. God, help us to be filled with your word. To be filled with your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Come on, you got one more praise. Thank God for his word. Thank God for what he's doing. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come. We would love to pray with you. Um, and if you need prayer at all for anything whatsoever, we just want to pray with you and we'll encourage you. I want everyone to go find you a tribe. Go find you a life group. Get your kids first, though, all right? Other than that, listen, we love you so much. I will see you next weekend. God bless you.